Good morning, everyone. If you could take your Bibles, open them up, please, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was my mistake where we're actually going to be finishing 1 Peter next week. Um, imagine that we're actually going to finish it. <laughs> We've been a while in it, but we will finish it. I started it when we were on a camera, and I'm finishing it when we can see each other's face, and that, that's a good thing. So I'll be finishing it next week, and then the following week, um, I'll start into, into the book of Proverbs. And as I read this passage of Scripture for us this morning, I want you to remember that this word that I read to you It is the very words of God. It is the very word of God to our heart. We actually believe that God speaks through this word. Have you ever asked yourself, God, will you ever just speak to me? Will you ever just talk to me? God says, I do. I do through my word. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers. And the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. So let's read God's word to us this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's God's word to us this morning. And really, in this word, there are two groups that are referred to. The shepherds. And the sheep. In the first four verses, we hear about the shepherds. And in the last verse, we hear about the sheep. So I'm going to spend most of our time talking about the shepherds. And then at the end, we will talk about the sheep. And what we have here in this scripture for us this morning is almost like the nuts and bolts of scripture, the nuts and bolts of how we are to live as the body of Christ, how we are to live as the church. Now, there are many other passages where you can look at as to how you are to live as the church. But if you want to sum it up nicely, you talk about it in this way. There are shepherds and there are sheep. And this is what Peter is encouraging the shepherds to do. He says in verse 1, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. 
So what he is doing, what Peter is doing is he's, he's writing to all these churches in Asia Minor, which is modern Turkey. He's writing to these churches that he hasn't met and he's saying, listen, I'm going to exhort the elders. I'm going to explain to the elders, here is what you are to do. And you might say to yourself, if you've been following or tracking with this letter at all, you might say to yourself, where on earth did he come up with this from? Because he says at the end, he says in in verse 1, he says, So I exhort the elders. Do you know when you say so, you say so when you're making a conclusion about something else, don't you? I was tired, so I went to bed. I was hungry, so I had my dinner. But for Peter, this is kind of weird. Because what Peter has been doing is he's been talking about suffering throughout this letter. Here's how you, here, here's how you suffer well as a, a Christian under the persecution of a government. Here's how you suffer under the persecution of an employer. Here's how you suffer well as a Christian under, under the persecution of a loved one. Here's how you suffer for just having the name of a Christian. So Peter says, here's how you suffer, here's how you suffer, here's how you suffer. So elders, I exhort you. And you say, where does that come from? What does that have to do with anything? So much so that some translators have chosen to take that so out of the sentence. Because they don't know how it makes sense with what he's just said above. So why is it important in the context of suffering that Peter says, elders... This is what you are to do. Leaders of the church, this is what you are to do. One of the reasons I think he does this is because there is something that you need when you are in a frightful and fearful situation. When I was younger, I would lie down on my bed and I remember looking uh, from my bed at, at the door to my bedroom and there was this little crack to the door of my bedroom open and there was always a light that would come in. We didn't have night lights back in the day. We just had the landing light. And so my parents used to turn on the landing light for me. Why? Because I was scared of the dark. And so this little tiny light helped me sleep as it came through the crack of the door. The problem for me in our house was this. Our floorboards were really, really creaky. Really creaky. Not just the creaky floorboards that would be creaky if someone would walk on them, but the floorboards that would just creak for fun. And so here I was at night petrified because... Yes, I could see the light, but the floorboards would creak. What would a kid do if they're scared at night and the floorboards are creaking? What do you think a child would do at that time? Do you know what I did? I called out for mummy and daddy. That's what I did. When I was scared, I called out for mommy and daddy. I needed them. I knew they could come. They could protect me. They could help me in this fearful situation. And this is why I think Peter addresses the elders and the leaders of the church first. Because this is exactly what the persecuted church need. In times of trouble, do you know what you need? You need shepherds, you need leaders, you need elders who are going to be there for you and care for you. This is what you need. 
Many people, they float around in Christianity thinking we can do Christianity on our own, that we don't need leaders, we don't need shepherds, we don't need elders. Well, God in His Word says, actually you do. And so Peter writes to those elders and says, I exhort you. But notice, before he gives the instruction, do you know what he does? He relates to them and he gets their attention. He says, I exhort you elders as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings as well as a partaker in the glory. What he is doing is he is relating to them. And that's what you have to do when you're speaking to people that you haven't met. You know, at the end of September, I'm going to speak in many churches up north. And I've been asked to speak at a youth event. And sometimes that can be the most difficult event to speak at. The reason is you have got 20 minutes to go in to talk to teenagers you have never met before, and then you go out and you leave. So what way, how are they going to listen to me? I guarantee you they're going to sit down at the start when I start speaking, and they are going to say in their heads, who does this guy think he is? And so what I need to do when I'm speaking to them is I need to tell them, something, probably my testimony, that says, I know a little bit about your life. And then once once I can relate that to them, I'm sure they are going to listen better to me. And this is exactly what Peter does. Peter says to them, I share with ye three things. I share with you the same role. I am a, a fellow elder with you. We share the same role. Then he says, I share with you the same Savior. I was a witness to His suffering. And then he says, I share with you the same glory. Lads, we're going to heaven together. We are. We are. We're going to be there together. So listen to me. And you can imagine the elders of the churches... Maybe when they were hearing, I exhort you, saying, who does this guy think he is? And then when they hear this explanation, they kind of go, yeah, okay, this is who he is. Okay, I'm listening, I'm ready. And what does he exhort them to do? He exhorts them to do mainly two things. In verse 2 he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. And here's where the nuts and bolts of, of, of the church is for us. The elders are to shepherd the flock of God and exercise oversight. And this passage is actually really helpful for us as a young, small, baby church to know what it is to have elders. So that the elders know what they're doing And that you know what they are supposed to be doing. It's so important that we know this. And what I'm going to do this morning is I I think one of the ways we can handle this is I think I'm going to start by picking on Brendan a little bit. Now, I didn't tell Brendan beforehand, but we like each other, so it's okay. I'm going to pick on Brendan for two reasons. Number one, Brendan always picks on me in Friday night Bible study. So Friday night, you know it, if you show up on Friday night, he always picks on me. So, so, and then number two, because I've got the mic and he doesn't. So let's pick on Brendan for a second. Who is Brendan to this church? Well, number one, in this passage, 
it tells us in this passage that Brendan is an elder. Brendan is an elder in this church. He is an elder of Passage West Baptist. And no, that is not just saying that he's older. That's not not just saying he's the oldest person in the room. He may be. I'm not sure. He may be. But that's not what that's saying. What that's saying is that, that Brendan is one who has authority in this church. One who is going to lead this church. He is an elder among us. And then the second thing we hear about Brendan is that he is a a shepherd among us. He is a shepherd in this church. And often a word that we use for shepherd is the word pastor. So Brendan is not only an elder in this church, but Brendan is a pastor in this church. He is a shepherd in this church. And what do shepherds do? What do pastors do? They lead, they guide, and they care. Sheep, they need shepherds. And Brendan is that in this church. The third thing that Brendan is in this church, he's not only an elder, he's not only a shepherd, but what does he, what is he? He's an overseer. He's one who exercises oversight over the affairs of the church. Therefore, it shouldn't be the case that Brendan doesn't have a clue of anything going on in this church. Like the Brendan shows up wondering, what's happening this morning, lads? No, he has to oversee the affairs of the church. And all these words are words that can be used for the one person. Elder, pastor, shepherd, overseer. In Hebrews, we hear they're called leaders. In Ephesians, they can be called stewards. There's loads of different names that you can call these leaders. And now he's even shepherding a child out of the room. I mean, it is... uh, I had to say something. I mean, you're all looking, so... Um, He's good at his job. Um, Shepherds are elders, they're overseers, they're leaders. You see, all these words are used. But you know one thing I didn't say about Brendan, and it's this. Brendan is not alone. And Brendan should not be alone in this task. Why? Because Peter says, I exhort the elders. And whenever that is used, it's never used in singular. It's always used in plural. Elders, leaders, pastors, overseers. In fact, you don't have one church in the New Testament that has one single man, pastor, alone leading the church. You don't have it. It doesn't exist. You need elders. You need a team. And that's hopefully what we are. Brendan and I are hopefully a team of elders that can oversee, shepherd, and guide this church. And so you should never say, no, this person is is the elder, or this person is the pastor, or this person is the shepherd. No, you should say, they're my elders, they're my pastors, they're my leaders. And you should want that. You know, churches get in real trouble. And I'm not just nitpicking at names. Like I know different churches say different names for different things. But all I'm saying is for us, there needs to be that reality of there is a team here. So that, so that when, when you're, you're calling us for care, you're, you're thinking about both of us there. And when you're complaining about us, you, you complain about him, not me. <laughs> 
We're a team in this. And hopefully we can lead the church really well and do it together. But what you'll realize about Brendan and I is that Brendan and I, we have different gifts. And the scripture points that out for elders. I'm going to turn to a passage here. Hopefully we can get it on the screen. I told the lads last minute, but we'll see if we can get it up. I'm going to look at a few verses. The first verse is 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. And it talks about elders and it talks about their different roles. It says this, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. Now you might say to me, that passage is about paying your elders and leaders. It actually is, but I don't read it for that purpose. I promise. I'm not reading it for that purpose. The reason I'm reading it is so that you can see that there's different roles within the elders. There are those, verse 17, who, who, who rule well, who rule the affairs of the church, who, who maybe are more administrative. And then there's those who especially might labor in preaching and teaching. And so there are different roles in the elders. And that's important for you to know, for your shepherds, your leaders, that they are this way. And there is something that Peter calls shepherds, leaders, pastors, overseers to do. He says this, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. And then he says, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, and not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. There are three knots that Brendan and I are not to do. We are not to do this because of pressure. We are not to do this because of money. And we are not to do this because of power. All right, that's really important. I know this is the nuts and bolts, but, but sometimes we don't get it. Shepherds, overseers, and elders are not to do this because of pressure. So if we are to plant a church and everybody just goes, we don't really know who's going to lead this church, so let's just pick a good businessman and we pressure him to be an elder, that's not a good way to do things. They're not to do it because of pressure. The second reason they're not to do it is for shameful gain. They're not to do it for money. They're not to do it just so they can earn some money. It is, not, it is not just to be a job to us. It should be a calling to us. See, and that's what frustrated me kind of in, in Bible college. When I was finishing Bible college, I really didn't have any job I knew I was going to in Ireland. There, there was nothing we kind of knew we were going to at the time. And all my friends in, in, the, in the States, they were getting their CVs ready and getting it all ready. And, and it felt like, I'm not saying that's wrong, it's just a different way of doing things. But for some of them, for some of them it was definitely a calling, but for some of them it was a job. They were asking, you know, like, like how much am I going to earn? What are my hours going to be? What, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe they're important questions in some way. But, but it's the flock that you should care about. This should not just be a job for us, a profession for us. It should be a calling. 
This is why I've, I've told Luana, if the church doesn't kick me out, I'm not retiring. It's not a job. It's a calling. And that's the way we're to do it. And the final knot is not for power. What can happen sometimes if you just get one leader, one head honcho, one guy who stands above the rest and it's very much that way, what can happen is they become kind of power crazy and domineer over the church and that should never be the way for a shepherd. They should not shepherd in that way. And you know what I feel as I'm teaching this? It would be like, if you're a husband this morning, it would be like if you were to get up here and say, husbands, this is what you are to do. How would you feel as a husband right now if you were to get up this morning and say, husbands, here's what you are all to do? How would you feel? be hard to say it, right? You'd feel like a hypocrite pretty much immediately. Or if, or if wives or, or mothers were to get up in this room and mothers were to say, here's how to, here's how to do mothering really well. Very soon, I could guarantee you, you'd probably feel like I'm not really equipped to teach. Elders feel the exact same way. Let me tell you that. As Ruth was reading the passage this morning, there are many times that I read over this passage and I say, Lord, help me. I need your help. Because the primary call, one, one, one part of the verse says there to be able to teach. The rest of what our elders are meant to do, it's all about character. It's not mainly about competence. It's actually all about character. And so I'm constantly saying to the Lord, Lord, help me. I fail and I need your help. And listen, you need to remember that about your shepherds and your elders. We will fail you. I don't want to fail you. It's kind of like me with my family. I know I am going to fail them. I don't want to fail them, but I know I will. And so it is here. Brendan and I, there are going to be times where we will let you down. And do you know what gives me comfort? Not only is Brendan not alone, but Brendan and I are not alone either. Because we are not the only shepherds of this church. There is one shepherd of this church. He is the chief shepherd. His name is Jesus Christ. And he calls the shots in this church. He is the head of the body, the church. And what it says in verse 4 is this about him. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Sometimes I look at eldership and leadership and pastorate and I say, I say, why do people want to do this? And the motivation here for us, part of the motivation here for us is one day the chief shepherd is going to come back. And one day it says he will give a crown of glory, which I think ultimately is eternal life. That's what he will give to us. He is the chief shepherd. And so here is what you need to remember. When, not if, Brendan and I fail you. When you come to a day, why are they doing it this way? Why are they doing it that way? Why aren't they doing this? And why aren't they doing that? When that comes to you, here's what you need to remember. They're not the chief shepherd. He is. So use that frustration that you will have. Use that frustration to fuel your prayer for us. Go to the chief shepherd about us. 
and tell him, help them, help them, lead them, guide them. Do you pray for us? We pray for you and we also need your prayers. It's a unique thing. We're shepherds, but you also need to remember we're sheep too. We too are fallen and we need him. I want you to look at our memory verses because it talks about Jesus, the great shepherd in our memory verse. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. If you look at that here, it says this. You remember these verses. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And then it says, this is the part we didn't learn. For you were straying like sheep but now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Who is the great shepherd? Who is the great overseer? Who is the great leader of our souls? It is Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd. The good shepherd loves his sheep. And do you know what the good shepherd did for us? The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. He laid down his life for us. And so he calls Brendan and I as shepherds to lead this flock. But never that it be our flock. Sometimes it frustrates me, you know, I talk with pastors, and this is just vocabulary. I know they might mean it, but they'll say, you know, my church and my congregation and my, and I know it's not that big a deal. But when he exhorts the elders in verse 2, he says, shepherd the flock of God. This flock doesn't belong to me or Brendan. This flock belongs to him. And so we shepherd knowing this is his body, not ours. And so that's the shepherds. But what about the sheep? I said I'd talk mostly about the shepherds. But what about you, the sheep? You know, if you've got to know us enough, you'll know already that that we are failures. And so what is it going to take? Hopefully we're not just failures. I mean, you know, Irish negativity is coming across a bit, I'm sure, here this morning. But hopefully we do some things right. But if, if, if you are going to be the sheep under shepherds who sometimes will fail you, do you know what you need? You need humility. It takes humility to follow fallen leadership. And here's what he says. Verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So what are the sheep to do? The sheep are to humbly follow the leadership of the shepherds. And this shouldn't come as a surprise to us that there's leadership and there's following of leadership. This is not robotic following of leadership. You do this in your workplace all the time. You probably have a supervisor. You probably have a manager. You probably have a boss and they will lead. And if people don't follow that leadership, what's going to happen in your office? Things are going to go haywire. And in the church, we have this very practical reality that we have shepherds who are to shepherd the flock of God. And if we're to do that well, then the sheep are to be humble followers of those fallen shepherds. 
And it takes great humility to come under people. And you think, this might necessarily be the direction I'd go, but I'm going to go with them anyway. And can I say something to you and just encourage you? Brendan and I have really noticed, and this is genuine, over this time of the pandemic and all this, I mean, this is, this is leadership trial by fire. I've never been an elder in another church before. This is it. And, and the start of that, for, for me anyway, and, and with Brendan, has been this pandemic. And you're trying to figure out, well, what way are we going to do things? And, and maybe you guys are complaining behind our backs or something, but you're certainly, we're not feeling it. We're feeling support and encouragement. And that takes humility to come alongside and say, I probably wouldn't do it that way, but, but let's go for it anyway. And do you know who he points out? He points out the younger people. Do you know why? When I was younger, I thought I knew it all. I thought I knew it all. I had it down. I could, I could, I could do anything. I could lead a church or whatever it is. And then when you actually start leading it, you say, no way I knew what I was talking about. And so it takes great humility to come under the shepherds. And I would encourage you, as sheep, to be those humble sheep. Under shepherds and under the chief shepherd. So let me finish by asking you three questions. Again, this is the nuts and bolts of what it means to be a part of the church. For the shepherds and also for the sheep. And the three questions you need to ask as a sheep is this, if you're called, I'm called to humble myself under elders. If I'm called to do that, then then there's three questions I think you need to ask. The first one is quite simple. Are you truly a sheep? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Do you see Him as your true shepherd? The one who has died on the cross for your sins. Have you said to him, I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I repent of my sin. I trust in you. And you are my chief shepherd. Are you truly a sheep? The second question I want to ask you is this. Have you identified yourself as a sheep? And the way you identify yourself as a sheep is you not only repent and believe in Jesus, but you get baptized to tell people, I'm a sheep now. I'm following after the true shepherd. I trust in him. I love him. He's laid down his life for me. I'm forgiven of my sin. And I want all of you to know that. And that's what baptism is. It's that picture. So are you a sheep? Have you identified yourself as a sheep? And the last thing I'd ask you, are you truly part of a flock? And do you have shepherds? Because you cannot obey this command to submit to elders if you don't have them. You cannot do it. You cannot do many commands in the Scripture if you don't have a flock to be a part of. This is so important for you. How do sheep do on their own? 
without a flock? Do they do well? They do terribly. How do sheep do without shepherds? Do they do well? They do terribly. Yet somehow Christianity has turned into the place where we think we can just believe, we can just be baptized, and we can go on our merry way as sheep. We need a flock. We need to be a part of a church. And so what you have as the pattern in Acts is this. People believed, they were baptized, and do you know what they did in Acts? It's often an ignored part of Acts. They were added to the number. It says three, over 3,000 were added to the number that day. And then continues on and said, more were added to the number that day. And do you know what the number did? They broke bread together. They sang together. They sat under teaching together. They even sold their stuff for each other. They gave their stuff to each other. They committed to one another. They sat under leaders. They became members of a body. That's how the church is described. We are a body. And so we are to be members of the body. And what I would encourage you as sheep is to commit and be members of the body. And I promise you, here's what I'm saying to you. It does not have to be this body. This is not a sales pitch. All I want for you is to come under shepherds because I think it is the best for you to be a part of God's people. Let me read one thing to you, one last thing to you as we think about this. What I'm really talking about is, is membership in the church. So all of you are welcome to attend the church. All of you are welcome to be here and, and part of this church and feel part of this church, yes. But what I'd encourage you to think about is membership in this church. If, if, if that's what you'd want, it could be another church, it might be somewhere else, but I'd have you think about membership in this church. And you know what convinced me about membership in the church? It's a weird passage, but I want to read it to you. I wasn't sure I needed membership before. There was a time where I thought I could believe, I could be baptized, and that was it. I, I don't need this membership thing. I don't need to commit. I don't need to sign any dotted line or anything. I don't need any of that. But then there is this passage that I read that convinced me. And I hope it convinces you. And this is the last passage I'll read for you this morning. It is a weird one. But hopefully it will make sense. These are the words of Jesus to us as a church. Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of a witness of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you a Gentile and a tax collector. Now you say, Shane, how on earth did that convince you to want to be a part of the church? Here's how it convinced me. I know that I am a sinful sheep and I know that I need a flock of people around me who are going to know me who are going to see faults in me and say, you need to check that thing out. You need to look into that. 
People that will be honest with each other and come alongside one another so that when they see a fault in one, it, it can just be solved by one person going and saying, and most of the time in the church, that's it. People talk to one another, they're honest with one another, they're humble with one another, and they say, look, that's one of the benefits from being part of the body. And then if, if, if I'm still not listening, which I mightn't because I'm stubborn in my sin, I'm not sure about you, then, then Jesus says, how about two of you go and try and convince your brother? And in some ways, this isn't church discipline so much as it's church restoration. The whole point in this is to bring you back to the Lord so that if I'm going off the rails... One person in the church is going to say, hey, you need to come back. And then if I'm still going off the rails, two will come and say, hey, you need to go back. And then if I'm still saying no, then the church are going to call the person to repent. Now, how do you bring it before a church if you don't have a church? And, and who's part of the church that you bring it towards? Is it just everybody who visits? If people visit three times, do we, do we bring people before all those people in the church? No, it, it's those who've committed to the church and those who are members of the church. So let me close in encouraging you with this. If you are a sheep, good. Then identify your sheep self as a sheep. And then get a flock and commit to that flock. And can I encourage you, if you have any questions on that, what it means to be a member of this church or a part of this church, please do just, just ask us. We can start the conversation. It doesn't need to, you know, um, be straight away or anything like that. We can just start the conversation and, and see where things go if you feel like you need to be a part of this flock. And remember this always. Jesus Christ is the sh- chief shepherd of this flock. If Brendan and I ever tell you to do anything or ever say anything here that is contrary to him, you always submit to the chief shepherd above us. Always. He is the leader of this flock. May the Lord help us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word how very practical it is to our hearts and our souls. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us be a people who will commit to you. Lord, I pray for Brendan and I as as shepherds in this flock. Will you help us? We feel inadequate many times for the task. But help us, Lord. Help us be humble leaders, not those seeking power or gain, but seeking your glory. And Lord, I pray, help us as sheep to seek your glory, to humbly submit to the shepherds you have put over us. Help us, Lord, in these tasks. We need you. We need the church. In your name we pray these things. Amen.